Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal. And I'm here tonight with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing tonight? Hanging in there, Bruce. Hanging in there. It looked like um, people had a spectacular day at Commonwealth Stadium. It was really Mm -hmm. great to see the weather cooperate with uh, just the right temperature uh, for the game itself. Maybe a couple degrees warmer, but uh, <laughs> would have been best. But, um, you know, it was, I just think it looked like people were having a riot. And that's fantastic to see. Like, this is the big event for the city. How many people go to those games? Is it like 54, the capacity, 54,000 or? 55,411. It's the official attendance of today's game. Cool. So a little bit short of the record set in the 03 Heritage Classic for this city, which was 57 and change. In uh, 03. Of course, I was there that time and I wasn't there this time. So that's minus one right there. <laughs> I wasn't there. Yeah. Uh, I did not go to that game. Um, Bruce, big win for the Oilers. Obviously, their second win of the Huge. year in eight games. Uh, it was weird. It's honestly the first time the Oilers have looked like the Oilers this year. Um, they got huge efforts out of the top two lines and um, their top pairing defense, their second pairing defense, other than a sh- one short shift, perhaps um, there was just, you know, the, the big players came up big Stuart Skinner, uh, a huge save um, when the game was still on the line. It was three, two at the end of the second period and Calgary came in and made a cross seam pass and um, almost put it in, but there was big Stu sliding over making the save. So, um, huge win. Had to have it. (laughs) They had to have it. If they let this game get away, David, it would have been just a a deluge of questions and doubts and what's going on, especially after the way they started this game. I mean, when it was 3-2 in the second period, I was thinking, you know, this looked like like a 5-1 game. And Oilers had a few pucks that, you know, didn't quite find the net. Markster made a couple stops and, you know, the bounces weren't quite working, but they got a big bounce when, big, big, big bounce when it mattered in the third period. And uh, they, uh, uh, you know, they were, I think 5-2 is a pretty deserving score from this game. Yeah. Empty netter or no empty netter. Edmonton was the, uh, I mean, at even strength, uh, the shots on net were 31 to 20 and Calgary had most of theirs, you know, when they were shooting from everywhere in the, in the third period. The grade A shots, Bruce, were 15 to nine for the Oilers and with a subset of five alarm shots, seven, six Oilers. Um, I, I liked how you put that, Bruce, if the Oilers, how delicately you put that, if the Oilers had lost, there would have been a deluge of questions and doubts. Mm-hmm. More like cursing and character, assa- a, a oh. tidal wave of cursing and character assassination mm-hmm. and calls for people to be this this person, mm-hmm. that person or the other to be axed or fired. Um, but questions or doubts is a nice way to say that. All right. This is our oh, two good. Another word for trolling. <laughs> this is, I see. That was your dry. I'm thinking more within the, within the team there would have been. You know, there would have been questions about the team. There would have oh, been doubts yeah. within the team if somehow that lead had gotten away as the last two home games. Or I'm sorry, the first two home games. The last game they got shut out. They never had yeah. any lead that night. But they twice they had the lead and and uh, 
lost a home game. And so it's nice to make one stand up. Yeah. So are two good things, two numbers. It's just two good things, two bad things, two numbers, and one conundrum. Podcast, Bruce, let's start off with uh, a good thing from you. Yeah, okay. I'm going to go with a good bounce. You don't get much nicer bounces than that. And uh, Vincent Deharnay, who many thought might not even play in this game, but he did get in. They had to go 11-7 because uh, Matthias Janmark, uh, last seen wearing a, a sling, uh, was unable to go after he took a nasty cross-check, I think, in the Rangers game. So they went with the 11-7, and Deharnay played 12 and a half minutes, uh, made some good stops on the defensive end of the rink. He did get beat on... Uh, on the uh, uh, the one goal on the five on three, uh, but he scored his first NHL goal in his 50, 49th, no, around a 40, yeah, in his 40 some NHL game. I mean, he's not here to score goals, but he got his first one in the outdoor game, and I think the outdoor ice might have been his friend because he. Lobbed in kind of a waist-high shot into traffic. Evander Kane tried to tip it and didn't. The puck hit the ice and sproing off the ice it goes. And it bounces higher than the original shot does and uh, catches the crossbar. It bounces right up and over a surprise Jacob Markstrom catches the crossbar on the way in. So, Vinny DeHarnay, not only did you score your first NHL goal, you went bar down. <laughs> Gotta love it. <laughs> he he had a very good game actually. Yeah, he he's uh, he's a giant in the defensive zone, yeah. eh? And he's just so so hard to get around. He doesn't necessarily mash people. I see people saying, "Well, he needs to have more hits to be good defensively." All he does is separate people from the puck, which to me is good defense. Oh, uh, so some people think he should hit more. No, he yeah he, yeah he needs to be a masher. No, he needs to. Separate people from the puck and move the puck, and you know he he we saw him struggle in the playoffs against some faster teams, and um, but against a team like the Flames, um, who were really underwhelming this game except for ten minutes in the um, mm-hmm. after the uh, the referee gave them yet another power play and they scored they they did have a little spurt there where they um, were coming on and um, but the Calgary Flames. They don't have a lot of offensive talent on that team, I don't think. Um, I wasn't that impressed with them tonight. Maybe they just had an off night. Who knows? But in this for a must-win game in the you know the Battle of Alberta in the Heritage Classic, they were flat, and the Oilers rolled over them, and they were lucky that they weren't down three or four nothing um, halfway through the second period. My oh, good thing, I Bruce, got two two goals in this game, David. I know, and I this is after, you know, four straight losses of 3-1, 6-2, 3-1, and 3-0. Now they've lost 5-2. So five straight losses by multiple goals, and they've scored a total of six goals in those games, giving up 20. Yeah, they're not. They're in, I, you know, they're in trouble. Okay, uh, Bruce, my, good, my first good thing is Evander Kane. And... Um, <laughs> He has taken some criticism both from you and I, including the ever the most dreaded of all um, hockey 
phenomenon, the Milan Lucic comparison. Um, we both have compared him to, we've both worried, Frank, honestly, that due to, mainly due to injury and age and being an aging power forward, he's finally dropped off the cliff and the hands aren't there. Now, we both have noted that the effort was there and the effort was there again tonight, but Bruce, the hands were also there. He was making a lot of plays with the puck um, through this game. Um, constantly actually making nice plays with the puck, um, as well as providing the usual amount of snarl. Um, he, right off the top, minute into the game, he picks off a pass, charges it in for a backhand, and gets off a good hard backhand. Not a dribbling backhand, but he raises that puck and makes the goalie make a good save. Um, five minutes later, he charges into the zone and takes a takes a pass from Nuge, who is... Um, probably fouled the opposition player a little bit to get it, gain an advantage. And he's made a pass over and Kane, uh, again, makes a nice dangerous tip shot on net. Um, he, um, he was involved in Edmonton's goal, uh, first goal, I believe. Yeah. Um, first goal, five minutes into the game. Um, he's in front of the net and Nuge puts it on net and he, uh, did he, is that the one he tipped? Is that the one he tipped, Bruce? Yeah, that's the one he tipped. He tips the puck as it's going by, and Kulak gets the rebound. Right. And yes, um, Kulak puts it in the wide open net, and it's because of that tip, maybe. Just the slightest tip, but it, there was a tip there. And um, it upsets Markstrom, and there's a wide open gaping rebound for Kulak, who had a really good game as well. He, he moves in and stuffs that puck in the net, which was just uh, what exactly what the orders needed. So... Um, he uh, he finished he throughout the game he was absolutely blasting um, Calgary Flames players with hits he one notable hit was on Tanev Tanev seemed no worse for wear afterwards but man did he can't hit him he led the team in both shots with six and hits with six and he scored the one goal uh, from center ice it was four two then but you know what um, how many times have we seen Oilers players miss that uh, empty net shot. Josh Archibald, and um, it's 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 very common to miss that shot from center ice, and he put it right in. And again, that was another indication to me of good hands. That was a very very encouraging game for Vander Kane. It's just one game against a team that seems down a court or two courts. Nonetheless, uh, you know, a, a positive indicator um, that maybe our, our uh, our assessment was a little bit premature. The Lucic comparison might be premature. And that's what we were hoping. And we were we were always saying, like, we, we hope he can turn it around. We were saying what we saw. And tonight we saw some, I saw something different. Yeah, he was charging around there like a bull in the china shop. He's been in that mode for a while now. To, to my eye, he was good at last Saturday against uh, Winnipeg. He was good in Minnesota when he got the Gordie Howe hat trick. He was pretty good, I thought, against Rangers on Thursday. And then tonight... Uh, uh, good again, goal and assist, and uh, uh, he might have had another Gordie Howe hat-trick, but as he said to uh, Calgary Flames on his mic, what are you going to do about it? What's anybody on the ice going to do about it? <laughs> that was a scrum. Uh, nobody on Calgary seemed to want to do anything about it, so that was that. But anyway, he's been, uh, he's been really laying on the body. This was five games in a row where he's had four-plus hits, and he's been trying in his way to to um, 
to get the team turned around. I think he's been you know, laying it out there. And credit to him. What did you think of his finesse play tonight? Not bad. Not great, but not bad. I mean, he's, he uh, he's, he uh, he made some good touches. And frankly, with the ice the way it was, good touches were hard to come by. You know, yeah. I, mean, I thought McDavid had trouble handling the puck. So, you know, if, if you know, there was sort of a whole lot of just sort of push it to a good spot and then try and, you know, grind it from there. But there was not a lot of high-end skill and finesse on display in this game. The line of Kane, uh, Nugent Hopkins, and Hyman was dominant for many shifts this game. Yeah, just absolutely pouring game. it on. And Calgary just <laughs> were just running around like the decade of darkness Edmonton Oilers in their own end um, <laughs> when those guys were out there. So if this is a line, you know, if, if they have this as one tool in the toolkit, another one's obviously dry settle McDavid and Fogel looked good with them. He's not a necessarily a finisher, but um, Fogel's a hard-working guy up and down the wing, wins pucks and can skate. And look, he he, he looked about as good as with um, Drysidel and McDavid as any winger in a game that I can recall. He was holding his own, and um, so this this is this is all this is encouraging stuff. It's something you know Woodcroft can follow. He might not you know. He won't keep these lines. The lines are constantly shifting on this team and every other NHL team. But um, I liked what I saw from that line tonight. Second good thing, Bruce, what is it? Yeah, I'm going to go with the defense pairing of Darnell Nurse and Cody Ceci. Uh, I thought they had a a really strong game. Uh, Nurse, very, very physical in this game. And he, I thought he really was in take charge mode. Uh, a little bit too physical on the one penalty that he took, which uh, was a little unnecessary. He'll get doctor point in his grades for that. Uh, but uh, he's going to get a few pluses in his grades just for his uh, his. Uh, I thought it was a rock in defensive zone and broke up a lot of plays uh, with five hits and five block shots. And he was really uh, successfully getting in the shooting lanes, which. Uh, was uh, was nice to see, and uh, CC had a, a couple shots, a couple block shots himself, and they just controlled the play when they were on the ice together. Oilers outshot Calgary 11-3, uh, and they they were the most common pairing playing with that Kane, Nugent Hopkins, Hyman line that you just mentioned. Uh, they played a lot together as a quintet, and. It wasn't that they really did anything fancy offensively. Uh, I kind of thought Nurse might have gotten an assist on the uh, on the Hyman goal when he disrupted the pass back to the point that wound up squeak, spurting out to Drysidle. I thought maybe he got a stick on it, but you know he pressured the guy making the pass, and things worked in Edmonton's favor thereafter. And I I just thought those guys were were in command when they were out there, and, and uh, both of them had a strong game. They did, Bruce. Um, you know, we're tracking the grade-A shots, mm-hmm. and neither Nurse nor CC made a mistake. <clears throat> Excuse me, a major mistake on a grade-A shot <clears throat> against this game. So we call that keeping a clean sheet at uh, even strength. Excellent. So just a really solid game. It's probably the first time that's happened this year for that pairing. And for that, you know, that pairing goes up against the toughest opposing players. Yes. And they just need Darnell Nurse to bring his A game. And he, yep. Again, he is capable of it. 
He yep. has had long stretches of time where he has brought his A game. And um, he brought it tonight. And so, to, and Cody Cece, he's been the owner's most consistent defenseman all year long. He's been playing mm-hmm. really well. And he, and he had just another solid game tonight, which is, again, fast, fantastic to see because he's quite an able player um, when, he's, uh, when he's healthy. Yeah, it just kind of hangs around, eh? And and a lot of shifts yeah. is just just that, right? Where he just hangs in there, and the other team puts pressure on, but they struggle to get you know real dangerous shots through. And uh, you know sometimes it's just a battle of survival because he's out there playing typically the top players on the other team, and he's uh you know he plays a lot of first pairing minutes without being paid like a first pairing defenseman yeah. and you know somebody's got to do that they can't pay a 10 million dollar uh, player at each position on the team and so they've got um uh, they've got to slide a guy or two in above his uh you know his pay grade so to speak and i'd, I'd say that's been cc's role in terms of it's the tough card <clears throat> that he continuously plays and he doesn't get a lot of credit but uh, uh he's Fairly solid, like you know, he's not going to win every battle. But I mean, who is when you're playing against the top players in the league? He gets credit here at the plus, plus two for both of them tonight. Um, it's 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 interesting how big a factor that injury plays yeah. with players because last year everyone was all over CC and, and and this year people yet aren't all over Eckholm, but Eckholm's been hurt and he's not playing that well. You know, he's having moments in every game that he would like back, as the commentators like to put it. And uh, it's just, it's just, it's just so, these guys play with the injury all the time. It has a huge impact on their game. And you just have to keep that in mind when you're assessing a player. Is he playing poorly because he's hurt, or is he playing poorly because he's not up to it anymore? So um, where are is we Is he now really Bruce? playing poorly, or is he doing the best that he can, given his limitations? Yeah. You know. Oh, we're at my second good thing. Evan Bouchard, I thought, um, just played a really simple game. Um, he didn't try to do a lot, but he did a lot. He just moved the puck extremely well all game long. Um, nice passes all game long. And uh, he scored um, a big goal early in the game. Puts it in. I think it's the 3-1 goal. And um, puck comes back to him at the point and he strokes it in. Just a typical Bouchard shot where you think, oh, well, he kind of got lucky there. But I don't know how lucky <laughs> Evan Bouchard gets. He, he can, with his shot, um, he has the ability to pick spots. And he's now, I think, got nine points in eight games. So he's not doing too bad um, in terms of scoring for NHL defensemen. But he didn't, he made hardly any mistakes this game, which is, which is, and again, he's been taking so much heat from people early this year. Maybe we have given him in some games some heat, but we try not to, you know, just universally despise a player because he's had a bad game or two. Try to keep in mind, oh, isn't he the same Evan Bouchard who actually the last two playoff years has been one of the best Oilers defensemen, if not the best Oilers defensemen? You know, that guy, that Evan Bouchard who runs the power play like, you know, like he's one of the superstars out there, that guy. So um, great goal. 
he um, made a really nice play in the second period to pinch, keep the puck in, and led to a puck coming out from low to high, low-high pass, as we call it, to Derek Ryan in the slot for a grade-A shot. And then he won the puck in the corner, the really smart stick check, where he just anticipated the play, picked it off by lowering the stick, and then ignited a rush down the other end of the ice for a grade-A shot. So he was in on three grade-A shots. He made one mistake on a grade-A shot against. He was he was he was very solid, as he can be, and as he has been consistently in some really big games for the Edmonton Oilers. Yeah, well, he uh, that that was a big goal that he scored for sure. Great shot. He he attempted seven shots tonight, and five were blocked, but that one got through, and it got through yeah. a lot of traffic. I mean, he likes to shoot into traffic, so they are going to get blocked uh, frequently, but. Anyway, that was uh, that was big, and uh, he and I, I would uh, sneak in a shout out for Brett Kulak, who had a strong game as well. He really, but, Kulak really did. Yeah, but we're only allowed two good things, right? Yeah, you're not going to get your usual four or five sneaking in there, Bruce. Mm-hmm. All right, your bad thing. Yeah, I got to go with the parade to the penalty box, uh, and, and especially in the first period when the Oilers took the first four penalties in, of the game. Uh, <clears throat> let's get this right now. Kane for boarding, good call. Drysaddle for playing with a broken stick. Uh, technically, I guess the right call, even as he maintained he did not play the puck with his stick, he played the puck with his skate, which he did. But he he was still holding the stick, and so if you're if, you have to drop it if you want to keep playing, and he didn't. Pretty borderline. I don't think I've ever seen a call quite like that one. Anyway, Heritage <laughs> Classic. Let's uh, let's get it out there, referees rank and Furlat. Uh, so the Oilers were a minute 21, two men short. They managed to kill that off and then score right after it was over. That was the really big part of the game. And then uh, Nugent Hopkins took a wishy-washy holding penalty. While he was in there, Nurse took one for roughing. And again, the orders were two men short, and, and this time for one minute and 24 seconds. Went one twenty-six. And Calgary, wouldn't you know, they scored with one second left in the two-man advantage. And so, and they were, I guess they were, they were penalties. Uh, you know, the, the, one on, the one on Nurse was a no-doubter. The one on Dreisaitl was technically a penalty. The one on Kane was a no-doubter. The one on Nuge was... And in the meantime, Calgary is doing Calgary things and not getting called for it. So I was talking about ever... hot there at one point. Yeah. Two man advantages. That... Yeah, yeah, he did pop him one. He plowed him. He <laughs> was... I loved it and I hated it because you, mm-hmm. you like you just knew I, you know it was exactly the kind of snarliness that you'd like to see from Darnell Nurse and when he's playing his best he's going to be aggressive like that. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're already short though, not yeah, the time. But when you're already short, yeah, not the exactly. time. But not the time. My bad thing, Bruce, and I was just talking about Matthias Ekholm. Um, I'm just going to focus on one play in particular. And um, you point out, this is in the um, second period, the Oilers are killing off yet another penalty. I think it was their 713rd <laughs> of the game. And um, Ekholm, he had just made a good play. I did, uh, Does you you were talking about this. What was his, just tell me his good play and then I'll get to the mistake. What was the good play that you saw from Ekholm on that sequence? 
he made a real good play to um, uh, there was a board battle along the and the clock was ticking down 15, 12 to go in the penalty. And there was two Calgary guys and two Oilers at least battling for it. And he flat out won the battle personally and then successfully iced the puck down. And you think now 10, nine seconds left in the penalty, it's over and they're going to kill it. But of course, they've got the long change. And Markstrom, which he did several times in this game, came out to play the puck and whipped it right back up the ice to get uh, Calgary attacking again against tiring Edmonton uh, players. And, uh, well, it's here a bad thing, so I'll let you explain what happened to the tired Matthias Ekholm on subsequent rush. He must have been exhausted. And, you know, board battles, board battles, yeah. like between these big, strong guys, they're probably utterly exhausted after one or two of those. They just, you know, it's like a arm wrestling. Um, he just was caught as flat-footed as I've seen a defenseman. He was so flat-footed, he did not move. I, do, I don't believe that as the Calgary defenseman, I think it was Uyghur, rushes the puck into the zone, and he's coming from the whole other end, and he rushes it in. I don't think, I think Ekholm kind of picked his spot and he stood there the whole time. Tried and Weger went right around him, him very, yeah. very easily. It was not uh, Matthias Ekholm's best moment in the game. And <clears throat> it's followed up immediately uh, with a save, a huge rebound. And um, one of the Flames Immortals pounds it in the net. So. That made the score 3-2. And it just seemed so unfair at that moment. The Oilers had just totally dominated this game. And aside from lots of penalties and two power play goals, um, it had been everything had gone their way. And they probably were owed one more, you know, if there had been fairness from the hockey lords, they would have had yeah. one more goal by then. Easy. But they didn't. But then they got it in, the, you know, the puck bounced in the third for Vinny DeHarnay. And uh, they got the, the, the puck luck that they needed. And they got the save. Like um, shortly after that, they got the save from Stuart Skinner that they needed. And then they got the bounce that they needed. Isn't that what they haven't been getting to? Yeah, is that absolutely. the save and the bounce? Yeah. So um, they got it this game. Bruce, what is your numero? Okay, well, I'm going to go with uh, number one, which is a uh, number of points now scored by Edmonton's bottom six. Uh, with Derek Ryan doing the honors uh, by making a very nice play and pass uh, to set up Evander Kane's empty net goal to get the whole bottom six off the schneid on one play. Uh, but in a, little, in a little more seriousness, uh, Derek Ryan in this game, he played eight minutes and 50 seconds, of which 209 was on the penalty kill, and the other almost seven minutes was at even strength. He had two shots on net. Uh, he had three takeaways, tied Drysaddle for the team lead with three takeaways. The entire Calgary team only had four. And he also went 6-4, two against on the face-off dot for 75%. And for, you know, a bit player to, uh, you know, as, as you would have to describe anybody who plays under 10 minutes, uh, that's a pretty nice line of stats, very positive. Uh, no penalties either for for Ryan. Uh, you know, a few a few marks up in the penalty column here. Like there's just no real negatives on his uh, on his line at all. And so pretty strong contribution from uh, you know a, a role player. And so hats off to you, Derek Ryan, playing in a um, uh, Heritage Classic in your sort of secondary home of Edmonton. 
He's yeah. actually an American, but he played yeah. here for the Golden Bears so long, and now he's been with the, well, first the Flames, of course, and now the Oilers, that he's surely an honorary Albertan. Such a smart hockey player and hardworking, and yeah. I, 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 I'm glad he's on the team. And, and before the year's out, everyone's going to be glad that Derek Ryan's still on the team, I have a feeling. Class Bruce, too. my number is the number of offensive rushes and goals this game. Um so this is at even strength. I think the orders heading into this game have been outscored 13 to 4 even strength on offensive rushes. 13 to 4. Correct. And one of the things I hallmarks of oiler hockey is you get more rushes than the other team and you score more goals on the rush than the other team. So the weirdest thing about the Oilers was that. You know, what yeah. was going on? Yeah. And and I I don't have an answer to that, Bruce. Like I I I don't know. Because it's not not necessarily systems play. Like my, I kind of ended up on the orders came into the season really overconfident and not prepared to work like they had to work, or puffed up, or something. Something wasn't right psychologically with the team heading into the year. This is where I've ended up, and and I'll let you weigh in here. And just I'll just finish up my uh, yeah, spiel um, with my to get to my number. But um, anyway, so tonight. They outscored the Flames one nothing on even strength offensive uh, rush chances. The Oilers. The Hyman goal. Oh yeah, that fantastic goal where Nurse wins the puck um, on the boards uh, by hacking the guy's stick. The pass goes off a little bit, I think. Yeah, maybe and, he didn't touch the puck. He t- there was definitely click sounded, yeah. and the puck definitely went astray for Calgary. Goes just to who you wanted to go to. Leon Drysettle rushes the puck up the ice. Coming out of the box. And he was looking past the whole way. He was looking past. And I'm sure Markstrom's thinking, this sneaky guy's looking past the whole way. He's going to shoot at the last second. But Leon didn't shoot. He put it right through the defenseman's legs to Zach Hyman. A beautiful pass. And then Hyman put it through Markstrom's legs for a goal. It was a it was a fantastic rush goal. So the Oilers overall had six rush chances leading to grade a shots this game bruce and the flames just had one so if the Oilers look like them all their old selves i think this is why now we weren't recording rush chances last year so we don't have these numbers versus opposition for last year it's the first year we're doing this i can tell you it wasn't 13-4 on 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 goal on the regular no it sure wasn't Not, not, not against anyway so they did change their system for this game. What did they and, do? Uh, they went away from the box plus one, and it seemed like they were just more playing, whether it was straight man. I wasn't totally uh, focused on, on the systems play as per se, but the the uh, box plus one that they've been trying to do, uh, it's a, a system that makes sense, but they, they just haven't looked comfortable with it. And it's, they, everything seems kind of mechanical. They're slow reacting. And it's, made, it's actually made the team, to me, slower. Like their team speed has suffered because they're kind of trying to stand around and be in the position as opposed to flowing with the game. And tonight they did a little bit more of that. I mean, you can obviously play a zone defense aggressively. We've seen Vegas last year. They were an aggressive team defensively the boston bruins were the best defensive team playing the this zone system um uh i i, I heard something that they changed the system i was trying to watch and i couldn't really completely tell what they were doing but they sure looked a heck of a lot more aggressive 
And, you know, man-to-man works. Tampa Bay won two cups with the man-to-man. But the, the centers have got to cover when the defensemen get out of position. When the, when the defensemen start chasing people, the centers have got to cover. This will work if Leon Dreisaitl and Nugent Hopkins and Ryan McLeod make up their minds to religiously cover for the defensemen. Anyway, that's a different question. We won't get into it tonight. But they did look way more aggressive, Bruce, overall. Um, they are quicker and more aggressive on pucks. And maybe just it's just the nature of these guys. They just, they're just they a man-to-man. They've been doing it so long. Um, this is their thing. And again, they had okay-ish, mediocre, not very good results at all last year, playing the man-to-man in the end, especially in the playoffs. In the first half of the season, it, it wasn't working at all. But uh, if if what you're doing isn't working, I mean, you you should try things to see if see if you can try them. And if it doesn't work, yeah, then you can you you should maybe go back uh, for at least a time because the zone wasn't working, um, or at least it didn't. It wasn't getting them. They weren't getting killed in the zone. They were getting killed on the rush. But maybe it just took away overall from the attitude of of aggression on this team um, that kind of defines the Oilers' yeah. ability. Yeah. Yeah, like they were a little bit not in their element, and be, so I think I think it's something that they sh- should continue to work on. But yeah, we practice. got to the point where it was an emergency that they had to win, start winning games. Yeah, you know, it's not much time to experiment, uh, and I think in part uh, that's you said earlier that the that the Oilers were uh, overconfident coming into the season. I think what the issue is, perhaps, is, uh, uh, and the box plus one can go in the same category. They were so focused on getting ready for the damn playoffs that they forgot they had to make the playoffs first. And it's not just a matter of learning to, to, to do new things and thinking we got to be ready for April. No, you got to be ready for games. Games are now. You got to collect points. Uh, hopefully, that lesson has been learned. Uh, they've, you know, obviously they still got a long way to go at two, five, and one, uh, but it feels suddenly a little bit more comfortable that they're going to start putting it together. All right. Well, we were I was going to delve into this same issue in the conundrum, but I'll go to a different conundrum, Bruce. Okay. Oh, sorry. They went with. Uh, it's okay. No, because I raised it first. I raised it first, and mm-hmm. you did, it's not your fault. My okay. fault. Conundrum number uh, two. Conundrum <laughs> number two is. What do they do? What are they? It's interesting what they what they're doing in that. And um, this was the first time that they went. Is it the first time two two games in a row for Skinner? Nope. For, oh, oh, for Skinner, they, yeah. For uh, Campbell, Campbell did get two in a row earlier. Oh, okay. And so maybe Skinner. it's cons- consistent. If you look good, you get another game because Skinner did look really. He looked okay in that three nothing. Good loss. in the Rangers game. Yeah, it wasn't the goalie's fault when he got shut out. And we we both said after that game we thought he would play yeah. on uh, Sunday, and it was just they seemed to prefer Stu Skinner on I think, and um, I mean they did in the playoffs they've just picked him yeah. out for this big game. Although if Campbell uh, had you know stolen a win somewhere, he you know he obviously would have been in. So I, it's it's not like it's clear who they're going with, and maybe I'm incorrect. Maybe you're right, like because they went with Campbell two games in a row, they went with Skinner two games in a row. You think they'll go with Skinner three games in a row? Well, the one thing that's been consistent is that Skinner's now started all four home games and Campbell started all four road games. Now, I can't imagine that that's something they're going to stick with. I think it's just kind of a fluke of the way things broke. But um, uh, 
they got now four days off for the three days off. They play Thursday. Okay. So uh, they may want to be getting Campbell back in there. One, one thing we saw from Coach early in the season was uh, he didn't let anybody in his roster go more than a, a basically a week between games. If the guy, if somebody got press box for a couple of games, they got him back in in the, in the, uh, in the next game. So uh, I'm guessing they'll stick with Skinner because they want to put something together. Uh, I think they probably will too. That was, that would have been a long few days if they had lost this game. Oh. Would have been unbearable. Like in a long I was starting 20 to get, years until the next Heritage Classic, David. You know, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what it is. You know, there's so much Bruce. There is so much strife in the world right now. There's a lot of uh, terrible things happening in the world. Yes, sir. And I can't take Oilers social media right now, honestly. Like the tough just spot, the, tough the just the chippy, like just I don't know. It's just just me. It's just me. I guess I'm I'm you know. I find what's happening in other parts of the world upsetting. I'm having a hard time sleeping. I'm trying, like, it's just, it's just so painful to behold what's happening and what, and then to think about what might happen. And then, so then people just carping away about the orders. I just think, oh, geez, is this really, but you know what? We've, I've done it myself on this podcast. I've carped away. So whatever, just blathering, I guess. <laughs> well, I, I don't think, you were mean-spirited and some of the stuff i see on the internet well in any aspect of the internet is you know that's a very thin red line between criticism and full-blown sort of mean-spiritedness and yeah i i guess yeah people are just so intense about it and, I, and yeah, i've been in, like, in intense and moments in the podcast during this thing like you know when when players have made like when they've reverted to to form and made mistakes that have cost Oilers big game, big moments in big games. But um, yeah, anyway, uh, it would have been a terrible time. <laughs> would have been a good time to stay off Oilers, Oilers X, as it's now called. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if there's any other place where there's much discussion on social media about the Oilers. There probably is all kinds of boards oh, yeah. and, and such. I don't. Oh, yeah. Okay. I don't go to those. I just, I'm on X. Yeah. Same, the same deal? Uh, not always. Some of the comment sections are are fairly reasonable. I know I spent some time on Low Tide's blog, and he's got a he's always had a thriving comment section, and it's been pretty good discussion. You got you know a few few folks that are uh, sometimes have crossed the line a little bit, but for the most part, uh, uh, it's reasonable. You know, it's at least talk to one another without dropping the gloves. <laughs> All righty. Anyway, uh, Bruce, they play uh, Thursday, November 2nd against the Stars. They play next Saturday against the Preds. Then they play next Monday against the Canucks. And then they got the wow. Sharks, Kraken, and Islanders after that. And then the Kraken again. So um, it's a tough slate. It, it's... Tough-ish, yeah. A lot of playoff game. I mean, the Sharks, you'd like to think, but the, you know, but the three-game road trip at Vancouver, San Jose, and Seattle, uh, it's not going to be easy. But they got to put some together, and they got to at least get points. You know, they've they got to win the game, get a point out of it. You know, 
they've got to start getting two thirds of the points mm-hmm. in the next little while here to rate yep. their season. And there's yeah, and again, cool. it will come down to health. We'll see um, how, what McDavid's health is like. It's nice that he ha- it's nice for him that he has this time off here a few days. Yeah. He can sit in that yeah, that ice didn't tub. Seen hundred percent tonight, but he, you know he had he was okay, but he didn't have any sort of searing individual moments. And frankly, he hasn't had many of them all year. So I'm hoping that he's uh, you know a little extra time off. And the Canucks are still smoking along. I see six eighty eight points percentage. So um, and the Vegas Golden Knights nine forty four save percentage. Ouch, or excuse me, yeah, points percentage. Yeah. Bruce, we'll worry about that. We got lots to write about this week, I guess, because we gotta, we gotta. There's not not many games, so we'll have to think of other things to write about. So, thanks for talking tonight. All right, thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast. <laughs>